Glory to Sassini. Glory, glory to Sassini. George, glory. here we are in Scone, country New South Wales. It never ceases to amaze you, just the extent of the South Sydney spirit, does it? It just has to show you that uh, someone never done their homework back in 94 when they should have realised South Sydney's the people's side. Well, that's right, and the people that have come out tonight, it's just a shot in the arm to our cause. Well, Sean, you know, all over the, over the state it's been the same, you know, like Dubbo, Orange, Newcastle, everywhere we go, we're just getting uh, support by people. Export Freight Systems is an international freight forwarder who specialise in export. Ian, the owner, grew up playing for the mighty mascot Jets and is a passionate Bunnies man. Export Freight Systems are confident of getting the pricing you require without compromising excellent service. It doesn't matter if you're a regular exporter or just beginning, they're there to help you. Export Freight Systems. Email ian at efsau.com.au and mention Rabbitohs Radio. He'll take care of you. Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Brent Chappell, Steve Maven, Darren Brown. <laughs> Chaps is red hot here, so I've, my phone was running hot there for a while. But Could you catch him? Well, only if I got a bit of a start. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for rugby league, but more importantly, it's great for the mighty Rabbitohs. Welcome to another edition of Rabbitohs Radio. My name is Grant Chappell. I'm joined by two former Rabbitohs. Dan Brown, Steve Maven. What's doing, boys? Hello, chaps. Hello, Brownie. Yeah, g'day, boys. How are we all? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, going good, boys. It's always good to record a show after a, a good win. Yeah, big win on the weekend. We, we, we got a pep in our step again, boys. Yeah, I did enjoy that. Very good. Beating Wasn't the Dragons. Much needed, too. Off the back of a couple of losses, yeah. What's what's what been doing? you got a little story for us, chaps. Something that happened at, oh, yeah. in Matraville. I was um, driving the kids to school last week. I think it was on, uh, might have been Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Might have been Wednesday morning. And um, it was just come around the corner near Matraville Pub there on the intersection of Bunurong Road, Perry Street. I noticed three Ambos. And I got a bit close and I seen they were working on a, an older guy at the front of the coffee shop there. And I went, oh, gee, that's, that's no good. And the kids were looking. I said, oh, can't, yeah, give them a bit of respect, kids. Anyway, drove off to school. Didn't think too much more about it. Then a couple of nights later, I seen on one of the community pages on Facebook, it, it, it was a story about that guy. Anyway... He, he's he's ended up passing away, the poor bloke. Oh, sad. Um, yeah, so rest in peace. Um, mm. It ended up being a friend of mine's Mrs. Father. Oh. Unbelievably, but anyway, th- th- there's a campaign they're looking for a young bloke who pulled over, seen him fall down, pulled over and um, jumped out, rang the ambos and everything and, and stayed on the scene with him. He finished up being one of our recruits, boys, Peter Mamazoula, so I'd like to do a Bit of a shout out to you, Pete. Uh, well done, young man. There's, there's not many young tradies out there who just oh, the drop young, everything. The young hooker. Yep, dropped everything and got involved. Left his car sort of on that intersection there. Yeah, well done, mate. Yeah, good on yeah. him. Yeah, well done, Pete. And, and there's big raps on this kid because we've got Damien Cook and we've got Josh Cook and we've got young Pete. So fine young man. Well done. Yeah, good good story about one of our young kids coming through. One yeah. to look out for. Yeah, showed a bit of compassion there. What's on the show this week, chaps? Yeah, another big show, boys. We're going to recap that win over the Dragons. We went down a bit and come over the top, give it to the bastards. And um, we've got Rabbitohs News, get an interview with a South City legend. He's done it all, on and off the field. Sean Garlic, Garlo. Legend, Garlo. We're going to do Remembering a Rabbitoh on Mario Fennick. 
NRL news, and then rabbit hole of the week, boys. Let's get into it. Okay, the shout-out's brought to you by Export Freight Systems. Firstly, Ryan McGee, all the way from USA, Tennessee. He sent us an email during the week, and he discovered rugby league during the COVID shutdown. And he's got a young kid at one year old. He gets up at six o'clock, started watching rugby league, the Rabbitohs, and now he's adopted us. He loves us. And not only that, he's a Rabbitohs radio podcast fan because he started listening to a few podcasts, discovered us, and now he's fully on board. So welcome, mate. We're glad to have you. He also tells us that he's got his own podcast. It's a curling podcast. You know, the curling and the Olympics. And I did a bit of research on that and they sweep, they sweep the, the ice yeah. while, while the puck goes down the ice. It's like lawn bowling on the ice, yeah. Lawn bowling on ice, and the winner buys the drinks. So, you know, it's a, we can relate to that. And also, he's a huge Virginia Tech Hokies fan and a tailgater. He's right into the tailgating, and that's a big tradition over there where they get the RVs and they park in the car park and barbecue and drink. So, oh, they're massive over there. It's a huge, yeah. huge collegiate school, uh, yeah, Virginia yeah. Tech. and. Just a couple of the greats of the game come out of there. One in particular, Michael Vick, mm. a star. They, that He was something out of the box, you know, a running quarterback. Never seen anything like him until he come on the scene, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah, just just on them tailgatings, I went to watch, uh, when I was over in the States, New York, uh, MetLife Stadium. Uh, the first local derby there, was a new stadium, the local derby between the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Oh, that would have been big. Oh, mate, and the tailgating was unbelievable. Like you said, the, them camper vans, they're like million-dollar camper vans. <laughs> and some of them don't even go into the game. They just they drive for hours just to have, like... Uh, they hang out the car park, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for the tailgating. It's amazing. They four hours out. Yeah, the Raiders yeah. do a big one, too. They've got all yeah. the big screens up. It's just... Yep. It's a, what an amazing... So there's a bit of... Amazing day. So there's a few similarities between Ryan McGee's gang over there and us South fans. So welcome aboard, mate. You're one of us. Yeah, yeah, welcome, Ryan. Ryan. Also... Gleek the Greek, Mac Lucas, rang up 2SM on Friday to give us a shout-out. He had a bit of a back-and-forth with Graham Hughes, boys. Yeah, well, Gleek wasn't in a good state at the time, and I believe he's going to give him another call on Friday when he when he's feeling a little bit better. He just had an operation, a hip operation, so he was a little bit under the influence of morphine, and you could tell the way he was talking. He was a little bit off the air, but... Yeah, yeah oh, I wasn't too happy with the way Graham handled it. Give us a bit of a, a roasting, saying we're would-be journalists, which we are. We've we're, we're, we got no credentials. We're just not three knockabout blokes, wolfies, just mad Rabbitohs supporters. But let me tell you, I don't think he's got any credentials. Well, yeah. what he did say is he didn't really say would-be journalists. He said that we're not going to get the proper story from Latrell unless we're asking the tough questions. But I think we did a good interview of Latrell. We spoke to him about his family and his culture and his love of the bush and and people that heard it said it was good. Great interview. So Yeah, we weren't it, out after his yeah. Yeah, negativity. Nah, we don't want to paint the bloke mate, you know, the he, wrong well, way. In the end he come across as a really nice young country boy and, and that's exactly what he is. Anyway, Gleek, because I've known him for a while, mate, and I know why he's having hip hip in- he leads with his hip a lot. <laughs> has his whole life, so that's probably why he's having a hip injury. Anyway, good luck, rest up there, Gleek, and uh just on that, and a lot of the reporters go out there looking for the negative story, don't they? Not many oh, of them yeah. go out there looking for a positive story. So, And no. that's what we're about here. There's one, Peter Mamazoulos, top of the show, boys. There yeah. you go. Yep. And Latrell Mitchell was another one. Yeah. Okay, I've got a shout-out to a gentleman that's been doing it tough over the past two months. He's been 
having his own battle, and his name is Darren Voss. Now, Vossy played for the Rabbitohs uh, back in the mid-90s. He, he played a lot of lower-grade games, over 50 lower-grade games for the club, and Vossi is battling a, a rare form of cancer, which is, you know, attacking his digestive system, and he, he's not in a good way at the moment. So, you know, a big shout-out to, to Vossi, mate, and, and the family. Hopefully you pull through. And, you know, if you want to support the, the family, you can donate. We'll put the link on, on our webpage. So they've set up a My Cause page, and we'll share that on the episode webpage. Yeah, they've raised 46000 in that too, so, yeah. so yep. well done. Yeah, for, and, his, um, good for his family. And just a quick one on a, on a Rabideau supporter, Tom Arlo. Rest in peace, young man. He's only about 19 years of age and lost his life to to cancer as well. Yeah, I've seen left, that. Left behind a, a young baby and a wife there, so um, I think his dying wish was to make sure that his family continues to support, support the Rabideaus. Sad times. Yep. Rest in peace. And you've got a couple of other shout-outs, chaps. I do, mate. Yeah. Um, I got a text off a mate of mine the other day who's CEO of Surfing New South Wales there, Winnie. He's been doing it for a long, long time. He said, mate, one of my judges here at the contest up here at... I think he was up there at Newcastle on the weekend. Damien Pack. He's a big fan of the show. He listens. He's a keen surfer down there in um, Gerringong. Does all the judging. Shout-out to you, Damo. Thanks for listening to the show, mate. Hope you're getting a few barrels. And also... They might need a surfing commentator, chaps. Well, yeah. If you need anyone up there, Damo, let us know, mate. I'm pretty keen to do the beach commentary yeah. at any time, mate. It's gonna say you Short know, notice. It's going to say you know someone? Or <laughs> chaps is a man, let tip, me tell you. Man. Chaps, tip chaps tip a, me off the winnie, mate. Chaps on Rabbitohs Radio. I don't know if he's available. <laughs> oh, it depends on me shift work, boys. But I'll, I could make an exception. And also, a friend of the show as well, Mick Ramsey. His daughter, Gemma. 15 years of age. She absolutely loves the show. Listens to it on the way to school every week. And uh, she can't get enough of the Mighty Rabbitohs and the Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Shout out to the Ramsey family up there in Brisbane. Yep, shout out to Gemma. Good on you, young lady. Yeah, good on you, Gemma. Keep listening. All right, boys, we're going to recap that that big win over there at Oakey Jubilee. 32 points to 24 over to St. George Illawarra Dragons. And we got off to an awful start there. I think... Um, Reynolds went off early after a few minutes. Cam Murray had a few head knocks. Even Liam Knight had a head knock and had to go off at one stage, boys. We got down 16 bot. And we fought back really strong once Cody Walker sort of played that on-ball halfback role. First receiver. He was attacking early in the tackle count. Tackle two, three. And we looked fantastic once Cody really took control of that game. Our first three kicks were all ricochets off the Dragons. And... I think they, they scored one try off them and run probably 80 metres and scored in the, the next set on, well, on the on other Just on that one. try, I don't know if you noticed Cam Murray with his hands up in the air to the sideline official, because mm. that was a forward pass if you go back and have a look. Oh, it was about a half a metre to a metre forward. Okay. The Dufty, uh, I think it was Corey Norman to Dufty. Go and have a look at that. Mm. Well, we went down early and I was thinking, oh, look out, here we go. But I was quite proud of the way the team steadied the ship and got back into the game. Indeed. And then we really poured it on, so... Under adversity, like you said, chaps, we lost Renault and we had a few head knocks, but it was a good performance all round. The boys really did lift in Indigenous round. A couple of good touches from Latrell. Cody just was on fire. And the forwards took us forward. Big Tommy. What about his performance oh. again? Yeah, I thought the forwards played really well. I thought they laid a really good platform. Got over the St. George's forwards with a, with a good power game. 
Yeah, quick, quick play, play of the, the balls. balls. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also, Kian Kalamatangi off the bench. Yeah. Improving all the time. And it looks like he's retained his spot in the side. And we'll have a look at that a bit later. Them quick play of the balls, chaps, that really allowed our spine to play their natural game. I think we are talking about it the other day. It allows Cookie to get out of dummy half and, and play that little craftiness and, and darts out of dummy half and screaming out of dummy half. So uh, we need more of that uh, over the next few weeks to build a bit of confidence. But we've got three moments that we want to have a chat about. And Mavo just mentioned the first one just before. And all our points were scored by the Indigenous boys. It was a big game, obviously, Indigenous round. What about AJ, boys? Yeah, he Two was good. Two freakish intercepts. Mm. Yep. Not many blokes score intercept two in a game. Yeah. I can't remember the last bloke who scored two intercept tries. That, that two length, distance. Two length mm. of the field. Well, he was over 300 metres, but obviously a couple of those were length of the field intercepts. But still, a hat trick in Indigenous round. All our boys performed. It was great. Yeah, I thought Cody really took control once Renault went down. Really stood up and, and took control of the game and, and the team. And he got us on the way with that great individual try to off his left foot. A couple of left foot steps and and got, put us back into the game. And... Uh, yeah, all, all the points scored by the Indigenous boys. I think that's the second year in a row. Yeah, yeah, we give it to Brisbane last year. Yep. Indigenous round, if you remember. Yep. Touched them up, yeah, by 20 or 30 there. And just, just going back to AJ's uh, meters, um, that was a South Sydney record 80-minute game. I don't know if you know that. No, wow. Congrats. That was a South Sydney meters record, 323 meters in an 80-minute game. He equaled Mad Dog's record, but Mad Dog was in an overtime game. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. And that was uh, me and... Um, so Mad Dog would have had a couple of touches in overtime that maybe got him over the line. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And just on the Indigenous round, last week's show was a big show. We had Latrell Mitchell on. And if you haven't had a listen, I've put a link to our YouTube version on the episode webpage. Mm. No Do wonder. yourself a favour. Go, go and listen to that well, one. Well, he was pumped for the game, wasn't he? He was, he was ready. He hadn't played for a couple of weeks and he was ready to go. So It's a good try when he hunted up the middle. Definitely. You know, and the ball was there, and he was right place at the right time. And he threw that nice ball to AJ down that left edge. Didn't uh, think, uh, did he? Bang, straight out there. Even though AJ got pulled back, he didn't go out. The touch yeah. judge shouldn't have put his flag up. He was, if you see some photos on social media, he was in no position to say that he's seen any foot go down near the touch line. Oh, so, he's had but, a barrier, that linesman, yeah. Anyway. He might have been the badge on the line. Did anyone notice that? <laughs> no, I don't think it was the badge. It was that red-headed bloke with the beard. Yeah, okay. Looks a little bit like him, but with like a gingery hair. Okay. Anyway, uh, moment number two. We've just discussed it. Cody Walker take, took control. Uh, once Adam Reynolds went off, I, th- I thought he really stepped up to the plate. What do you think, boys? Oh, fantastic. Oh, two tries. With the ball in his hands, he's dangerous. We know it. So we just like to see more of it. Working both sides of the ruck was a great game. Great the, good, the good thing about Cody, he takes the line on, doesn't he? Yeah. You know? yep. well, as I said, he is... He, doesn't matter. Tackle five, four, three, two. It doesn't care. If it's on, it's on with him. Yep. He's almost playing that touch football style yep. um, game, you know. Yep. Well, I guess the best the best half in the game is Luke Keery, no doubt about that, because he can work short sides and he's ready He's ready to hit the go button at any time. Well, Cody Walker's performance last week is not too far behind it. If we can get that out of him week in, week out, we're a chance to go to go on a bit of a run here, boys. If, yeah, if he can 100%. hit that, that hot form, just think back. To the first 10 games of last year, Cody Walker was that hot they put him in origin. He was They weren't talking about him in round one. Mm-hmm. By the time it got to that first origin, they had to put him in. Yeah. He yep. forced their hand. We'll see if he can go on a good run here, boys. Mm. And that try he scored, left foot step, bang, left foot step again. Mm. It was magic. 
Yeah, he put yeah. some good defenders there. Cam McGinnis is, is no no easy boot. He, he had to get through him in that last line of defence there, and, and a great try. And also hit a nice line to Mark Nichols. I, Mark I Nichols. believe it was his first ever try assisting first grade. So try assist. You're on fire out there, Nico. Oh, yeah. Scoring tries, set, <laughs> setting them up. Setting them up. <laughs> we might what forget him on the show soon, I reckon, yeah. Nico. And moment number three out of that Dragons game, boys, was all the bench players made a, an immediate impact once they were on. I thought once they came on, they really changed the game. Well, not changed the game, but they, they kept the tempo up and, and they go forward, um, especially the forwards in Kian Kalamatangi. I thought he had a really good game. Well, I was a little worried once we seen Hame Salé go down a few weeks ago, but you've had other guys put their hand up. Keon getting more minutes. Mark Nichols, he's playing well, boys. Yeah. He's had a few um, detractors, a few knockers, but but he's putting his hand up. Yep, and Liam as well. Like you said, he copped a knock, but and we need that. We need our bench to come on and not to lose anything. It's such an important factor in the game to have a strong bench like that. Mm. Well, you're 100% right, mate. And Paddy Maker. Probably his first time he really we really got a good look at him. He's only been playing that small minutes. But Paddy Mago had a couple of big impacts, got the big runs, big hits. He's a big unit. Mm, yeah. He's got some big legs on him. Yeah. Remin- uh, reminiscent of Alan Can back yeah, in the nineties at the Broncos. Alan Cairn, yeah. yeah. And he's only going to get better. Yep. Yeah. All right, boys. Better. And we don't have to mention my man Cameron Murray. 80, yeah. 80 minute performance. Well, I asked him about that today. Have a listen to this. Yeah, it's feeling quite good, actually. It was uh, a bit of a shock to the system. My first um, sort of 80 minutes out there on the field this year. But, um, yeah, obviously wasn't all in the middle. Uh, when Renault went off early there, I got switched to back row there for a bit. So, uh, yeah, it was a little bit different for me, but uh, glad I got through it. The body feels good. There you go. Superstar Cam Murray. Another chat to him today. All right, we'll chuff off to our first break here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Rabbitohs News brought to you by the Juniors Group of Clubs. And the news at the club is that the new Imperial Restaurant has changed names. It's now called Treasures at the Juniors, but it's still the same authentic Chinese cuisine and yum cha. Also, the new car park is open with 145 spots. That's the one just across the road from Churchill's Pub, big car park. And the club was desperate to get that back because they lost a lot of parking to the light rail. They've also still got the undercover car park with 120 spots. And also the new car parks in Anzac Parade, there's hundreds of spots there. So I parked there the other day. I went up to Yumcha and parked there on Anzac Parade. Plenty of parking, boys. Heaps yeah. of parking. Yeah, there's just a bit of parking up past the church. There's plenty of parking spots up there. Yeah. Parking spots all around. So get up there and support our fabulous, valued sponsor, the Juniors Group of Clubs. Juniors Kingsford, Juniors Maroubra, Juniors Malabar. Yeah, and speaking of the Juniors, boys... Had their first game of footy on the weekend. All the kids got out there. I know Mavo went and watched um, watched a couple of games himself. What, what game did you watch, Mavo? I went and watched the Southeastern Fives. My little niece's daughter, Deanne, had a first run. Got oh, the ball. Wow. Got the ball. Ran the wrong way. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got down to Pioneer Park and watched the A Reserves, Southeastern. Okay. Our good mate Troy Reardon. Yep. Plays a little bit like uh, Kalen Ponga. Where's the headgear and. Got a similar build. 
went all right, scored a couple of tries, and I think they got a win. But like you said, they're all out there having fun, and, and it was great to see the young kids on a, a lot of social media all out there enjoying themselves. Yeah, I went up to my local park there at Matcheville, where the Matto Tigers' home ground is, and it was actually La Perouse Panthers up against Maribel Lions under-11s. And they're a little bit outclassed, Lapa. They're a bit small. It was Clint Cook's um, young blokes team. Oh, okay. He had a couple of boys playing on that side. and But, uh, geez, that Maribel side's got some players. Yeah. They must be the best side in that age group. They had that many athletes. Yeah. Lapa held them for as long as they could, and then they, the floodgates opened towards the end. But and just another quick came as good mate of ours, Gerald Simons. His young bloke, Nash, played for the Botany Rams. How good was that? Took the quick tap. <laughs> oh, hey, oh they, were, they weren't ready, eh? It was unreal. And who did he play against? Sato's young bloke? Yes, he and did. And also Dan Gagai's young bloke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and, oh, yeah. And young yeah. Sato. Skeeny's young bloke. Young Sato scored a few tries as well, so yeah. Big Sut was very proud of that too. Ace, yeah, yeah he's a gun. Shout yeah. out to Jezzo. That was unreal, Jez. That was gold, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Wasn't it? What's the big news, chaps? Yeah, well, we've just re-signed our young gun centre, Campbell Graham, for three years, and I think everyone's happy about that at the club. What about that, boys, though? Yeah, it's big news for the club. Local junior. Yep. Yeah. And he's going that well. We oh, couldn't let is. him go. No. He's having a great year. Defensively, yeah. he's been unbelievable, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah. He's been one of our best players all year. Yeah, and big carries. Big carries all the time. And the girls. The girls had a win. Their first win. We had Dan Lende on last week, and he said they're due for a win, and sure enough, they got one. Yeah, well done to the girls, and good luck this week. I reckon we should take this one. See how it leads down along the damp line? When you get lost in the bush, you always follow a stream downhill. I'm sure it'd be the same underground. That'll just take us deeper. We're on a mountain, though. Maybe you better lead. Okay, Rabbitohs Radio listeners, we've got a South Sydney legend here in the studio. Former captain, famous for the Garlow's Pies. See him out the footy. Coles Woolies. Sean Garlick. Welcome to Rabbitohs Radio, mate. Great to be here. Thanks for having us, fellas. Welcome, mate. Now, where are you hey, from mate. and what was it like growing up there, mate? Well, originally I was from, um, I was born in a house in Redfern in Chelsea Street, uh, in a house there where, where my father lived next to his mother and um, stayed there till I was three. Then he bought a house in Rockdale. I played my first football, believe it or not, at Arncliffe Scots. They had, a, they had an O grade out there, so I played there as a under five. Uh, until I uh, moved to La Perouse when, when uh, we moved to a house out there in Phillip Bay and I, I played under 10s at um, La Perouse. It was my first uh, year with them there and, and stayed right through. La Perouse Panthers, eh? Correct. Well, my missus actually remembers that because you, you know my missus, Samantha. She was... Well, that's an incredible coincidence. It yes. really is because my first school was Rockdale Public and um, Samantha and Wayne McKenna went to that primary school. Yeah. And lo and behold, we left uh, Rockdale, moved out to La Perouse, went to La Perouse Primary. Who was there? Samantha and Wayne McKenna. <laughs> they followed the gala. <laughs> yes, yes. was, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, I know. And yeah. She, yeah, she remembered yeah. where he's lived yeah. and everything at uh, Rockdale, over the bridge yeah, down yeah. near the 7-Eleven. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, yes. Lenox so. Street, Rockdale. Oh. Yes. Mate, you, you mentioned uh, your junior footy with the La Perouse Panthers. Yep. You come through a pretty, pretty, some pretty handy players come through there. Who are some of the players that you played with there? Oh, look, I was really lucky. We, we had a team that was put together uh, under tens, as I said, um, uh, from nothing really. That the, the strong club at the time was Matchville Tigers. Had players like Graham Lyons and Adrian Hanson and Timmy Ella and all that played it. Anyway, there was only really, uh, but believe it, they all went to Larpa's Primary. You know, we we had a, uh, a school team at Larpa's Primary. 
Well, we never lost a game in in the three years that we played there, you know, and there was, you know, those sort of fellas that uh, were just unbeatable. But uh, we ended up joining up all there at La Perouse, where we, and, and Graham Lyons was still, I think, uh, the, the best young player I've seen, you know, for, mm. for his age and, you know, got graded very early. But, um, you know, Blake Butcher, my cousin we played with, you know, we, we had a really good LARPA team that um, was up there most years. Uh, Brownie year at, at Waterloo mm. and then Mascot. Mm. Uh, and then we... And we thought we were going all right until we played uh, our first year of um, – it was first year D grade, wasn't it? We had to yeah. play up a grade and we come across this mammoth, mm. Maver. <laughs> Mate, it was just – everybody dreaded it because you knew what was coming when they combined the two um, age groups and uh, – it was Mavo and Manoa just running amok. Mm. First Mavo was Botany, and then you both went to um, mm. Rovers, and it was just unfair. We had little kids running up against men, yeah. men with beards. And, and <laughs> Mate, my, my memory of you pl- coming through the juniors was uh, them red boots that you played in. That's right, yeah. I bought a pair of... Um, You're probably the first player Bill to Connelly. play in red Exactly. Yeah, yeah they, they were certainly not in fashion then, but... Uh, I forget who I saw wearing them, and um, it was a first grader. And Maybe uh, Troy Stewart wore them too. Yeah, anyway, um, my father was just around. He took me to uh, Billy Connolly's there in... Uh, in um, Crown, uh, Crown Street. Uh, uh, no, no, opposite Bur- Burke the old, Street. Opposite the old police academy, Burke yeah. Street. Well, Chelsea Street was just around the corner. He goes, I'll take you here. And anyway, I got a pair of custom-made boots made when I was probably 13, I think, mm. you know, when they were red and green. Mm, red and, and green, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, Actually, they're quite uncomfortable. Jeez, they look good. Well, I actually, I actually seen you wear them, so I went and brought some. But yeah. uh, they've been mentioned on the show before because really, we mentioned yeah? the Bobby McCarthy, right? Okay. And Bobby McCarthy actually wore them as well. Yep, he did say that. Yep. So that was my yeah, first memory go. of you, mate. Of them. Very good uh, memory there, Brownie. <laughs> so you moved into acting. Tell us a bit about that. You were acted in the movie Fortress in 1985 yes. with Rachel Ward, another Correct. one with Nicole Kidman, and then I always remember the Lots of Noodles ad. Yeah. You'd Nobody done that makes too. soup in a cup like Continental cup of soup. That's right. <laughs> it all started for me, believe it or not, I was walking to school um, to Larpery's Primary, and they were making a movie in the park there on on Canara, um, on, uh, and uh, I was looking on, the, and uh, anyway, stood and watched for a while, and then a woman came over and said, would you like to be in the background? I said, oh, I'd love to. Anyway, there was a few of us that were around, and we played cricket in the background, and the woman came up and said, would you like to do more of this? And I gave her my phone number. You know, sure enough, the following week, she rang me up and said, oh, they we're casting for a Cadbury Crunchy commercial. Would you like to come along? Anyway, I went, I went my mum dropped me down. I was only uh, 11. Uh, dropped me down to Surrey Hills, this casting um, audition. Anyway, I ended up getting this, this ad. And we had to fly to Melbourne um, as an 11-year-old uh, to, to, to shoot this ad. And at the time, it was the first time I'd be, ever been on a plane. It was the first time my mother had ever been on a plane. Yeah. Anyway, so we both got on an set plane and flew down to Melbourne. Anyway, it pissed down in rain the whole time we were there. They couldn't shoot it. So they sent us back home and brought us back the following weekend. We thought it was fantastic. Unreal. First time we ever stayed in a hotel and first time <laughs> on a plane. It was the best start ever. And then, you know, I got a few commercials. And then, yeah, you're right, my big break came along um, when I got cast in um, the movie Fortress um, as the leading, as the leading uh, young fellow, as a 15-year-old. Uh, with Rachel Ward being the star, who was had just married Brian Brown, was quite a quite a uh, star in, in her own right. She was 29, I was 15, and it was the biggest budget Australian movie made at the time. It was funded by Home Box Office in America, and uh, uh, I had to go away on location for three months. Actually, I was in year 10, and uh, they had tutors on board, and we're away uh, down in country Victoria for three months to make this movie. It was, it was a great experience. Mm. And now your young bloke is. Starting a bit of a media career. He's on The Bachelor <laughs> in Paradise at the moment. 
Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, it was it was uh, first the Bachelorette and then um, and then Bachelor in Paradise. But uh, look, it's all very amusing. Um, he's getting, he, you know, he's he's had a bit of fun with it and all that sort of thing. I don't think he's found love. I don't know whether that's got anything to do with those shows. But uh, <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's I well, really don't. But anyway, he's well put together. Anyway, you've got a few. Tell us about your family, mate. How many? You... Yeah, well, I've got three boys. Jackson's the eldest boy. Um, he's uh, he's going to be twenty. 27 this year at the end of the year I've got Bronson who's going to be 25 at the end of the year and youngest fella Campbell who's just turned 20 this year so yeah the three of them um, two of them are still at home Jackson's been out for probably a couple of years now he actually lives with uh, Jack Jozeski from um, from okay. Manly he's his housemate at uh, they live at um, Upper Class Rose Bay actually yeah. <laughs> and, one, and we saw you at the footy me and chap saw you at the footy your, your, your young bloke was with South? Yeah, that's right. Well, he, he was he was a South junior, played 20s at South, then he was at Canterbury, went to Canterbury for uh, four years where he played reserve grade there. They won the comp They there. won the comp there, yeah. That's right, yeah, they won the comp. Then they won the uh, Interstate Challenge, which was a, a big – they had a good side there, and um, and he loved his time at Canterbury, but it was great to see him come back to um, South this y- year. Y- this is Bronson, isn't it? This is Bronson, yeah. 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 Come back to South this year, but then, of course, the, the, the you know played one game and the comp got cancelled. We've made mention of that, that – those kids in that situation, it's devastating. It really is. You know, so what's he doing? Is he is he not Look, playing he, at all? He he became good mates with Michael Leisha at, at Canterbury, and um, they're playing for Cronulla Carrying Bar actually in the local. Oh, the local there. agro, yeah. Yeah, and um, actually and, they played they played on Sunday. And Jackson's with Glebe. He's with Glebe. That's right. He's been with. Um, he's sort of been in that grade for about the last four or five years. Pretty much when he graduated from twenties at South, um, he was at Norse there for a while, and then. And then it was Newtown, and then like well, it's all changed. Newtown, and now he's with Glebe. But um, he loves his football, but he's he's got a lot going on in his life. Jackson, um, he's much more um, relaxed, takes his football more as a more as a um, a release than than a than a, uh, a serious endeavour. Mm. Whereas Bronson's full on football. You know, the, mm. the last bloke he's made, he's the most relaxed kid ever. Yeah. Um, plays football, plays golf, and really hasn't got many cares in the world. Oh, golf. We're going to talk about that a bit later, but. Yeah, mate, uh, we'll go back to, to the Galo story. But, mate, back in the day, we used to have to work before we played footy. and That's right, yeah. Obviously, course. it wasn't a full-time profession back then. And you were actually a copper for 13 years. That's right, Stationed yeah. at Maroubra. Correct. Mate, h- how was that experience, coming through the cops, playing Look, playing with uh, the Rabbitohs, where we had, I think, six coppers playing? Look, I think at one stage, yeah, we had nine, I counted, uh, okay. that, that were right throughout the club. But... Look, the, the reason I joined the cops was you might all recall when we were watching, uh, growing up watching football in the 80s, every time someone would score a try, they'd flash up what occupation they were. And it seemed to me that every second footballer was a copper. Yeah, exactly. So I thought, if you want to be a footballer, then you're going to have to be a copper. So I went straight from um, from school to the police academy, joined the cops, and, and the whole the whole reason I was doing was so I could play football anyway. Uh, they didn't let me down. They looked after you if you're if you're a up and coming footballer at the time. And I was playing twenties at the time at South and twenty ones it was. And then um, and they looked after you in terms of rosters and all that because as you as you said, Brownie, we had to have full time jobs and, and trained of an afternoon and played footy mostly on Sundays. So um, the police really took pride in their their footballers and looked after and looked after me the whole time right up till even when uh, Super League came in, we all had to quit our jobs and and go full-time, well, instead of quitting, I just dropped back to one day a week. So the one day a week, usually the Wednesday that we got off during the week, I went and worked in the cops, and they looked after me. I, I had pretty cushy jobs, I must admit. I had youth liaison and warrants and summonses and, and then even uh, licensing. So always based in Maroubra? Always at Maroubra, pretty much. Yeah, I was over at Ramwick for a little while. I, when you first come out of the academy, they send you on a secondment somewhere, and I got sent to prison vans for about nine months where you're, you're loading prisoners in the in the trucks and taking them to the courts each day. I did that mm. with uh, Donnie McKinnon for nine months. It was a 
really good uh, special time as well. Yeah. And uh, you, you came across footballers pretty much everywhere you turned in the, in the police back in those days. It was a great place to be. Well, our mate Ross Harrington, did you work with him much? or? Oh, look, I didn't actually ever work with Ross. He was always around. You know, he, he was at Redfern, he was at Waterloo. And then he actually came out to Malabar, which was close to Maroubra. So I saw him a lot, but I never actually worked with Roscoe. In fact, he took over when I when I eventually got out of um, when I, I got out of licensing. He took over my position in uh, Eastern Suburbs Licensing, which was a, a really really uh, good place to work. You know, going around visiting the licensed premises each night, and it was a, it was it wasn't like a you know a proper cops job. Yeah. Well, we're going to get him on the show. I'm sure he'll have some good stories for us, big Roscoe. I love the bloke, but. Have you got any funny stories just before we move on about the cops you can remember? Oh, look, you know what I loved about the cops was that we trained so hard as footballers and all that, and the days were different back there in the 90s. And, and what it was, it was like you used to, as a young bloke, you certainly approach things different to uh, when you get a bit older, especially when you get into your 30s. But whenever there was a, um, a hint of violence or, or a blue or a brawl or a pub dispute or a neighbour dispute, but I couldn't wait to get to it, you know. So you could, you could, you could legalise wrestle, you know. You, <laughs> that's what I was about. You get there, and you know there was people that were that uh, need to be need to be restrained or, or thrown in the back of the truck or whatever like that. And it was a it was a great way of um, you know using your, your football training to to for good, you know, rather than you know. And and you know what, there was no there was no high tackles. You know, you could take offenders that were trying to <laughs> you could take them as high as you like, you know, as late as you like, and then. Yeah, that's the way it went. Being a great mate, we had a bit of fun with it. <laughs> we did. We had a few, a few very special times, Brownie, yeah. where, um, where sometimes it was a good time to be be a cop. It got us out of a little bit of trouble at, at times. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's a bit like uh, the the footy. We, we our job was to go out and hurt people for a living, and you could do that in both your jobs. That's right. It was legal, you mm. know, and and uh, it really helped to to be able to <laughs> take people to ground. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, you mentioned uh, your footy career. Uh, you played under-21s. That was pretty much um, a, a great club to come into. In 1989, you actually won the premiership with, with the uh, under-21s. Yeah, so I was very, very lucky. There was, there was some great players. But as you know, you were, you were that age, but were playing reserve grade and first grade at the time. But, uh, yeah, it's the luck of the draw. You know, to play alongside Manoa Thompson. You know, there was Stephen Rick Stone. Um, there was Scotty Wilson. There was Charlie Saab and... Um, uh, Scott, Scott, um, Jimmy Dimmick, Jimmy Dimmick, of course. Yeah, yeah he was, he was, side, he was only side. a seventeen-year-old. Jimmy, um, who else? Uh, uh, Terry Hill, but but uh, got injured, uh, didn't play in that grand final. But uh, Jeez, you've dropped some names there. Yeah, in that side. it was a good. It was a, gra- it was a great wow. team. Yeah, mm. and um, it was uh, oh, that, that was a, a great way to start your great career. That's for sure. And a lot of them players went on to play. A lot of first grade and even represent their country, you know what I mean? That's so, right. Yeah. It was one of the great tragedies, actually, that uh, South were producing so many juniors, so many young players, and just couldn't keep hold of any of them back then. And it's, uh, we'll look back at it being such a great shame that South lost so many players back then. Mm, and that's yeah, one of the reasons. We had good teams in that area, didn't we, in that yeah. late 80s? And that's one of the reasons we had that long hiatus in winning premierships, is ex- exactly from what you just said, that we didn't retain those talented yeah, it wasn't wasn't the fact we didn't have them. We just couldn't keep them, you mm, know. And mm. there was there was clubs that were a little bit ahead of the, the Rabbitohs in terms of uh, their financial prowess, and 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 uh, you know they lured them away, you know. Which mm. Ian Roberts was a big loss, of course. Uh, Terry Hill and Jim and Dimmick Sedaris and after Sedaris that as well. And, yeah, mm. they they just kept going. Yeah, Ian Roberts, another yeah, one. Yeah, and Bundy left, I think, in 1992. Um, yeah. Now in in 1990, mate, you, round three, you you made your first grade debut, mate, against the Roosters, uh, and you knocked them off. 
26-12, mate. Actually, what can you tell us about that? Actually, that's not the case. It was round, uh, it was round 12 against Penrith wow. at Penrith Park. Yeah. Well, you come off the bench in okay. round three. Uh, no, no, I didn't. No, no? We're going to have to no, check the rugby league no, project. I, actually, oh, yeah. I see that every now and then, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh. No, that's not the case. No, oh, I well, you can correct it. I remember I came straight from tw- uh, 21, straight up in a reserve. We'll ask that question again. And I played 11. <laughs> no, no, well, we can no, send it up. There was 22 games in the year that year. I played my first 11 games in reserve grade and, and just was just loving it, you know. Um, I couldn't I couldn't believe I was playing alongside blokes like David Boyle, you know, who was a, was a hero of mine. And and back then, you'd often get players dropped from first grade. They come back and play reserve grade without any, without spitting their dummy out, without you know wanting to call in managers and you know, all that sort of thing. Which is the way it was. You came back from mm. injury. There was a lot of internationals, as you all know, that you played against in other teams. And it was, it was just a great. You know, Roscoe Harrington was in the side at the time. Guys that were getting a bit older, but they taught you real lessons about what it was like to you know wait your turn and to show respect to the to the current first graders and how to train hard and and uh, and get ahead and and whether you liked it or not the the, the motto back then was train hard drink hard and so <laughs> you got you got indoctrinated very early and uh, it's just the way it was now a couple of rounds later Round 14, you scored your first try, mate, against the Tigers in a big loss, mate, 44-10. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a big thrill, actually, playing up against who was a, a hero of mine, Benny Elias, at Leichhardt Oval, which was a, a great um, yeah, a, a great thing to be able to say I, I, was a, I did. You know, I remember at the time thinking, if I don't play another game, I'll be happy because I played against Benny Elias and Blocker Roach and Steve Steve Edmund and Ciro and um, Gary Jack. And they had a great Balmain side, of course, back then. And uh, there were some great players. You know, it was, it was one of the best things about... Um, Making first grade was being able to rub shoulders with some of those players that you grew up idolising. Who were some of your heroes? You mentioned Benny Elias in the hooker position because you come through as a hooker. Yeah. Who else did you idolise in the hooker position? Look, Benny, I think was the was, was the the guy that changed what hook, hooking um, mm, was definitely. all about back then. You know, you had your Roycey Simmons before that. You know, probably a bit. It was a bit more. You know, Maxi Crillage and you know was they were a bit more up and down. They were hard workers and were very good at striking for the ball. Benny Elias was a was a halfback. You know, in in that hooker position, he could kick out a dummy half. He you know, he kicked goals, he kicked field goals, and, and he was just very flamboyant with the ball. You know, it was a pleasure to watch. And I actually first met him, believe it or not, uh, playing in the under-12s, um, New South Wales uh, PSSA schoolboys. And, and Benny was playing for the Australian schoolboys. We played together at the same day at the old sports ground at, um, you know, the, the, the Sydney Football Stadium. Mm. And he was playing for um, for Australia, and we were playing for New South Wales against Queensland that day. And he, he came over as, as confident as he always is and said, who's the hooker in this side? Who's the hooker? And uh, I said, oh, I put my hand up. And, he, and, and obviously, Benny Lice hadn't played first grade yet, but uh, I think he did the following year, you know, and uh, so mm. I followed his career from that time on. Mm. And the great Mario Fennick, we're going to feature him later in the show. So you started off sort of like an understudy maybe, and then eventually you got the role and pushed Big Muzzer into the forwards. Yeah, look, it was really – talk about um, Stephen Bradbury. When I first got to the Rabbitohs, there were so many hookers there, you know, even you know, in front of me. Um, Stephen Fennick was probably the first one that was that was ahead of me, you know, and um, and uh, he he did his ACL, uh, even for me to uh, find a spot in the 21s, which which was very lucky. But there was also um, Paul Judd, who was, who was uh, playing in reserve grade, Craig Weeks as well. Um, uh, Paul Judd was involved in that car accident. Yeah, I remember that's right. that hurt himself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Craig Weeks, um, something happened to Weeks. He that uh, I think he got injured as well. And so all of a sudden, um, you know, from being four or five in front of me, there was there was none. And so mm. and Mario was still playing hooker as well, of course. Uh, when I got my start in first grade, Mario went from um, hooker to uh, second row. Mm. And so uh, there I was able to get my start there. But it, but it was a real. And I even tell my boys it was a, you know a lot of I said never sack. I said to my boys never sack yourself. Because you get there at the start of the, the pre-season, you look around, you go, there's five blokes in front of me. But you, you know, don't take into account 
you know, injuries and suspensions and, and blokes sacking themselves, you know, and thinking, you know, I'm not getting a go. And how often we see guys that out of pride, they, they got dropped or whatever, so they tell the, the, the coach to stick it up his ass, and, you know, it just opens up for the bloke that's below you. So I so say don't mm. ever sack yourself and, and you never know when your chance will come. Mm. 1990 was a, a great year for Sean Garlic, but it was a tough year for the club because oh, it was. we got Wooden Spoon after winning the minor premiership the year before. Yeah, talk about from the penthouse to the shithouse. You couldn't have, couldn't have gone any further, yeah, from, from um, you know, winning the uh, minor premiership with quite a good margin to, I think we only won two games all year, you know, mm. which was just phenomenal. It was still a very, very good team. And, and I remember it was a very wet year as well. You know, there was mm. a lot of a lot of rain and there was a lot of uh, injuries, and but, but still uh, it was just... Uh, it was the start of a very long road uh, for the Rabbitohs in those early 90s, that's for sure. Tough well, years was, ahead, yeah. Well, it was tough for us, Brownie, being a part of that 89 side with all, the, with all that success to then the next year, like you said, get our asses handed to us with only three wins. So, yeah. terrible, devastating time and, um, well, yeah. It, it took its toll on us because we got moved on after that as we well. Did. We went to the Bulldogs in 91, so. Yep. And speaking of moving on, you played a couple of more years for the Mighty Rabbits and then... In 1994, you ended up over at the Evil Empire, mate, over at the yeah. Sydney Roosters, mate. How did that come yeah, about, I got, mate? I got moved on as well. Uh, Alan Jones came in and he said, uh, Sean, I know you've been here for a while, but uh, I've got another hooker coming that I just think is a better player than you, um, Dean Schifoletti, that he bought from um, Illawarra. Mm. And um, and so I moved over to the – I was actually going to give it away. I thought, you know, I've had enough. I've had a good run. I think I played 65 first-grade games. I thought I'll, I'll, give, I'll hang him up. And believe it or not, my old man at the time, he goes, you can't give it up. You're only – 25, you're, 20, you're only 24, you're going to be 25 this year. I said, oh, look, I don't really want to play with anyone else. You know, can you believe it? He jumped on the phone back, imagine doing this, he jumped on the phone, he rang up Mark. Good old Terry. He rang up Mark, he rang up East Leagues Club and he said, can I speak to Mark Murray? Anyway, so they put him through to Mark Murray. Anyway, he goes, g'day Mark, look, my name's Terry Garlic. You, you know my young bloke, Sean Garlic, played at the Rabbit? He goes, yeah, yeah, I know him. He goes, mate, he's after it. He's after a club. Any chance you might be able to give him a start there? <laughs> anyway, he said, oh, look, we're, it's a bit late. We've sort, of, uh, we sort of got our roster finalised for uh, for the year. But look, if he wants to come over and have a trial, we'll have a look at him and see, you know, see what's going on or whatever. Anyway, he comes back and he goes, look, I've got your start over at the Roosters. You've got to go over a trial. I went, oh, you kidding me the roosters of all places <laughs> really yes mate go look i've done it now you can't embarrass me i said you got to you'll turn up a train on tuesday sure enough i turned up at henson park where we were based at the time and played in a trial that week and, and went all right then played in a trial the following week anyway they graded me and uh so i started uh in, res- in reserve grade there and i thought oh look i'm happy reserve grade was a, was a fun place to play back mm. in those days there's no pressure you could do what you like you can chip in your own half and no one really cared you know, everyone, <laughs> everyone was focused on the first grade anyway i happened to get my way into into first grade by the end of the year and then the following year um phil gould came along um that's right mark mark, mark uh, murray got sacked um halfway through the year the the, the Roosters weren't going that that well, and it was actually a great um, it was a great time because our, the great Artie Beetson got appointed uh, caretaker coach, you know, for the last six or seven games of the year, and so he came in and to be coached by by the uh, by the legend Artie was a real thrill, something I'll never forget. But uh, mm. Gus came in the following year, and I went from being captain of reserve grade to captain of first grade all in the space of a week. Well, know? Gus left nice. Penrith because I was right. at Penrith. He left halfway Correct. through the season. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he came he came at the end of '94 uh, and That's then right. um, and he then left. took took over in '95 and uh, bought a few players with him. He bought Matty Singh and he bought uh, Graham Mackay from Penrith. Mm. Uh, and then um, the big signing was the following year when he bought the great Freddie. Freddie, yeah, which, yeah. Which was a which was a great uh, thrill to, mm. to that, play with him. So you've gone from. Uh, reserve grade to captain in first grade and then you've played finals footy because they've got all this talent 96, Correct. 97 that's right yeah well, well there you go the whole time I was at the Rabbitohs never played finals footy 
Uh, we missed out in 94 at the Roosters, but then played in uh, 95, 96 and 97. And in 96 and 97 in particular, they played in two grand final qualifiers. Mm. Just uh, came short one game before the before the big dance. I think one of them was by one point, was it? That's right. 17, yeah. 16? Yeah, correct, yeah. Uh, one of them was against St George, the other one was against uh, Manly. Manly, yeah. Uh, who went on to play in that famous grand final against Newcastle. And win the comp, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 97 grand final. Just, yeah. just back to Gus, mate. What was it like being coached by Gus? Because he's such a great rugby league mind and I'm so glad that the NRL is going to get him involved in player development and st- stuff like that going forward, mate. Oh, look, it, 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 again, it was, it was something I'll never forget. Gus was a, a great man manager. And for those that have been around him, uh, they would all agree that I've probably never heard a better speaker in all my life. No, you know, in, in, in terms yeah. of speaking, be able to put his words together, be, mm. to be able to uh, just get a message across, you know, he was just phenomenal. He'd tell stories that, uh, you know, bring players to tears, you know, before games. And, you know, he really found a way to... Um, to bring everybody together, you know, and, and regardless of what you thought, uh, Gus was able to change the way you thought. Mm. You know, you go into a, you go into a meeting after a game, and Gus would have an opinion on something. You think, you know what? I think he's wrong, and you come out of every meeting going, you know what? He's right. I'm mm. wrong. <laughs> and uh, it's not often, you know, someone can do that. He's and, good, uh, isn't he? Mate, he was just phenomenal, you and 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 he he taught what what he taught me when he got there was just fantastic. It was like I just started playing footy. It was it was all brand new stuff. That speech he used to give on Channel Nine before Origin, yeah, when he'd be on the field and they was it that speech make incredible. You Make you want to play yourself. There's no double takes. <laughs> he did a no, first go every time. Hundred yeah. percent first time every time. He's brilliant, yeah. mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, you returned to Redfern in '98. How, how did that come about? Yeah, look, um, I was I was pretty much gone at the end of '97. Had a pretty. You said cro- you were gone before with the yeah, Roosters. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was gone before I went to the Roosters, but <laughs> I had a pretty uh, pretty sort of nagging chronic knee injury. Just uh, just was worn out. Had about four or five arthroscopes. I just kept taking away meniscus, and it was sort of. And Gus knew, and he came to me towards the end of the year, and he said, "Mate, there's probably not going to be anything here for you, you know, next year." And I said, "Mate, I'm, mate, I'm happy. I'm happy to hang him up." You know, he said, "I've heard that South might be interested in getting you back there." I said, "What?" Anyway, sure enough, I, I got a call from Frank Cookson was appointed um, football manager at the, at the Rabbitohs and they'd appointed a new uh, coach in Steve Martin. Anyway, Steve Martin had been missed for, missing for years, you know, mm. and of course, formerly the North Sydney coach, he'd been gone for probably five or six years over in England. Anyway, he came back and he was, and and um, the juniors were contributing a bit of money and they had a bit of money to spend. Anyway, uh, they made me an offer for a two-year deal that was more than I'd ever been on ever before and, um, and, um, I said, yeah, why not? I'll come back and I'll you know, I'll just squeeze the orange and see what I can get out of this, out of this knee. And as it turned out, mate, they were two great years. I mean, that the first year that uh, Steve Martin was there, there was a lot of problems. Um, he didn't get on with Tricky Trindle at all, and um, he was sacked midway through. And, and Tugger got appointed, and it was really it was a it was a beautiful thing to uh, for Tugger to come in. I played with Tugger as a as a young bloke, uh, of course, when I made my debut and everything. And for Tugger to come back as a coach and to really play and, and see his passion for the for the club and mm. and for the, for his will to win and everything like that was just it was another dynamic uh, dimension. You know, he everybody knew he played with his heart on his sleeve, but to play under him as a coach was was a was a wonderful thing. You know, and we formed a, a great friendship from that and. Um, uh, it, it was it was one of the saddest days when when Tugger was uh, was sacked as coach of the Rabbitohs too. That's for sure. Mate, tell us about '98. You were named captain, and it was leading into that terrible part of history for the Rabbitohs. Tell us about that year. Yeah, look, I mean, there was a lot of promise because we had players like um, you know um, Tim Brasher come over, and we had Chris Caruana, um, we had Jimmy Smith, and. Um, there was, you know, we had the big, um, uh, big Ian Rubin and, and there was and, uh, Troy Slattery. There were some good players in that team, you know, and 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 uh, Steve Martin just just couldn't 
get his message across. In, in fact, there was a real disconnect between the coaching staff and the, and the, and the playing staff, and it just didn't work. We had Brett Robwell there as well, you know, and mm. and uh, it, it was a, it was one of those years where it just got went from bad to worse, you know. Uh, Tricky Trindler was in great form as well, and then as soon as Tugger came in, things just turned, you know, uh, with pretty much the same side, except we added uh, Big Spud Carroll, came back from uh, the London Broncos and played his final year in, in 99, and the, and the club just turned around, and, and I still look back, and 99 was my favourite year of football. You know, I knew it was going to be my last. Um, there, there was all the all the, um, the the talk about South's going to be thrown out of the comp at the end of the year because mm. of what they were doing with Super League and and um, you know rationalising the competition. And I mean, we had a great year, you know, and and um, we started the year fantastic. You know, it was the best uh, we'd gone for for probably ten years since since '89. And uh, and then and then uh, Tricky Trindle got suspended with about seven weeks out or something, and they gave him five weeks and. Um, we just didn't have the we just didn't have the the uh, the backup there to mm. to field uh, you know a, a good halfback and and um, we fell away towards the end didn't make the eight. Mm. He was on fire trick that year, wasn't he? He really Leading was. into that suspension. He he, re- he really was. You know, and he got done for five weeks for what 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 you'd get one or two weeks for now is like a careless high tackle. Mm. And um, yeah, it was it was a real shame, you know, and it was it was a disappointing way to finish my career. But I you know I had no regrets at all. I was a I was a very lucky player to get to get as far as I, I, I did. You know, I was a I was a small fella with um, with no pace, no step, no uh, no particular ball skills or a kicking game or anything like that. But I just loved being there and uh, worked hard and got as fit as I could and and was just really really blessed with with how far I was I was able to get. I think you've been pretty modest there, mate. You're one of the toughest blokes I've ever saw out there. But um, and so yeah, you mentioned South getting kicked out. So that's that all happened, and then you got involved with the court case with George Piggins. So just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, look, when I retired from the Rabbitohs, I, I was I was hurt, you know, um, you know, emotionally with with the fact they threw us out of the competition, you know, and everyone's focus just went on getting back into the comp. So they they asked me to join the board at the time, um, which I did, and um, you know, we, we 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 spoke about what what it was going to take to you know, to get the first of all, we needed to raise money to, because we needed to fund a court case because we were intent on taking it to court. And so we, we we staged a few games around around the bush and you know Redfern Oval. We played against um, the the Murdy Parky Warriors and we played mm. against the um, American Tomahawks and, USA, and, and, yeah. and raised some some cash. They'll sell out they'll sell out crowds at um, Redfern Oval. We also took a trip down to the Riverina. I forget where it was. We played down there, but um, you know the wave of, the wave of support that was there behind the Rabbitohs. Uh, everybody knew whether you're a Rabbitoh supporter or not. What what News Limited did um, was just not right. You know you just can't kick a a football team out that's owned by the people who've been there since 1908 mm. and just throw them out of the competition because they're unfashionable. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we staged the march, you know, and, and um, people come out of the woodwork and, and, uh, and not just South supporters. You know, there was there was players and ex-players and, and supporters from every club. You know, Newcastle supported us well. You know, the Balmain, a lot, a lot of the foundation clubs who got right behind, behind us, of course. Um, there was 100,000 there on the, the steps of Town Hall. And, um, and and News Limited saw, you know, people stopped buying the, the Telegraph and they stopped, um, you know, uh, supporting News Limited and, and uh, the, the tide really turned. And and, and uh, in the end, um, the court was, was uh, victorious for the Rabbitohs and mm. we got reinstated. Who were some of the high-profile high people that were instrumental in, in that process? Oh, no, no doubt uh, Andrew Denton and Mike Whitney uh, come to mind immediately. You know, they did some really wonderful things. They went, of course, to... Uh, the Channel 7 boss um, and got him to 
His name escapes me. Yeah, Kerry Stokes. Mm. And got him to, to pledge a million bucks if the Rabbitohs get back into the comp. There'll be a million dollars worth of uh, sponsorship there. And uh, because there was all sorts of uh, reasons they, they said South couldn't come back, that they couldn't afford it, they didn't have the support, you know. And so part of, of uh, dispelling that was getting a group of uh, sponsors together to show, of course, South City Juniors were, were, were right behind it. And, you know, the great Henry Morris and mm. Keith McCraw and the, and the South Juniors were well and truly behind the Rabbitohs, as they have been the whole, whole time. Who else was there at the time? Um, Mikey Robbins and mm. uh, Don Lane at an earlier, uh, earlier period. Um, there, there was a whole lot of Russell Crowe, of course. Yeah, he, he came on board when he was still, you know, uh, a sort of uh, an up-and-coming actor. But uh, there was a lot of lot of people, all, all of the ex-players, of course. You know, the the great, you know, John Sattler and Bobby McCarthy, Ron Coote, and you know, they they still carried a lot of weight in the rugby league world. And you know, their support of what um, the, the Rabbitohs were trying to do was 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 very very mm. you know, important. So there was a huge cast of famous people, and George Pickens is the one that. Gets a lot of the credit, and he's and he's deservedly does. But there's blokes like you, were instrumental, and all these people. And then also we went to Scone, and I dived in the that's right. in the pub. You got me to that's dive right. on the footy shows. Well, I played right. a little small part. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Mavo. And I remember that with the assistance of a few schooners. That's for sure. You know, yes. that softens the softens the fall, of course. But yeah, the, I mean, and and you would remember Ziggy Niscott. I think he was there as well. Yep. But uh, you know, the players. The, you know, there was no shortage of supporters. You know, um, past players. You know. Um, people that have been around the club uh, all their lives. It was just an injustice and everybody did whatever they could to get the club back mm. in. Yeah, it was a fantastic result, mate. And um, obviously we end up having to put a team together a little bit late That's um, right. for that 2002 season. And you were the football operations manager, is that, is that right, mate? How did that all come about trying to get this team together? Yeah, well, I was on the board at the time and I remember um, I remember Andrew Denton wanted to uh, get on the board. It was one of his lifelong dreams to get on the board of the, the club and I held a position there and and uh, I thought what I'd do is I'd, I, I really want to see Andrew on the board. So I resigned uh, from my position on the board and Andrew came on. And then they had the position of football manager uh, going around. And I always sort of thought that would be something for me. You know, um, I'd, I'd looked at, I'd never really ever wanted to be a first grade coach. I was just too, I, I was too um, worried of just, just what I didn't ever get was that the people that made decisions on first grade coaches didn't really know whether he was a good coach or not. Mm. You know, they never came down and asked the players or anything ever before they sacked a coach, you know, what's his, what's his coach like? And, and, you know, sometimes there was really good coaches and, and the board sacked him just because, you know, the, the wins weren't there, you know, which, which is still happens today. You know, it's a, it's a results oriented game and, and there can be a whole host of reasons why the team's not performing, but unfortunately the coach, coach just has to go you know and and i never really agree with that i didn't want to put myself in a position where you could be doing a good job and, and doing your best and you know to, you know because circumstances weren't in your favor you didn't have the money or there weren't players available or you had a bad roster or the salary cap was mm. you know was, was in a mess that you'd have to pay the price so i thought you know football managers they, they hang around for a while you know they're the, they're the glue between the the coaching staff and the administrative staff and and so i i applied for that role and got it and um and spent uh, two years there, and we had to put a we had to put a team together from from scratch, you know. And it was because South got admitted late, you know, that was basically just the players that were left over that no other clubs really wanted. And you know, we had to pay overs, and we had to buy some players beyond their best. And it was it was a tough couple of years. It really was. It was it was heartache because the irony was that the whole world was behind the Rabbitohs. Everyone to, everyone wanted to see them do well. And we just didn't have the we yeah. just didn't have the cattle there. You we're know? getting we, wooden spoons. That's right. And everyone said, "Well, what's the point of these? This yeah. mob coming back? They, mm. you know." Yep. But, you know, we, we had to start somewhere. That's but then right. Russell Crowe came along, you mentioned him before, and that set in motion some changes at the club that set us on the path to the 2014 glory. 100%, you know, and, and I still say uh, Russell Crowe's involvement was just as important as George Piggins' involvement. 
you know, George getting the, the club back into the comp. But then, you know, if it wasn't for Russell, we we're about to go down again. You know, um, we hadn't changed our, our ways. You know, we really, we sort of believed our own publicity a bit and thought, you know, we really shouldn't have been thrown out. But when you looked at us and you compared us to other clubs back in 99, we were way behind the pace in terms of professionalism. You know, we hadn't grown up with the game like a, a lot of the other clubs had, and and we didn't we didn't really accept that. And when we got back into the competition, we we probably thought, okay, we'll go back to doing what we we're doing, and and that wasn't the right philosophy, you know. And so we, we started heading down the, the the road to where we were before. Russell was a wonderful supporter of the club, you know. He tipped financially into the club every year, you know, without any say of, of where that money was getting spent, and so. He figured, look, if, if, if I'm going to continue to tip money, you know, I'd like to have a bit of a say of how this goes, but I don't want to be a board member because if you make an unpopular decision, they, they, you know, they, they vote you out, the members. Mm-hmm. So they come up, him and Peter Holmes of court, and I was very much involved in, in, the, um, in the coming together of those two and bringing the, the, the whole idea to life. You know, Peter having the business now and, and, and Russell having the, the, football, um, the, the football spirit and, and the club behind, you know, he was South City through and through. You know, and together they, they they formed a magnificent team, and 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 it was the it was the most well executed plan I've ever seen in my life. You know, they had to get a seventy five percent vote through to, to members uh, against a, a George Piggins who was dead against it. You know, the, yeah. the man who was the saviour of rugby league, who who was who was chairman and, and president for as long as he liked, um, and, and had had traditionally and historically always had proxies to get him over the line. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a wonderful day when. Um, when uh, the vote was on out there at Homebush and there was thousands that packed into ANZ Stadium for the vote and, and lots of people got up and spoke. And It's a bit of a shame how the yes and no vote... It was. It was, it was a hard time for the club, you know, and, and, and people were forced to take a side, you know, and you found... Uh, and a lot of George's uh, uh, teammates uh, through loyalty f- mm. uh, thought they had to back you know, George to, 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 to support him, even though they could see that the club was... You know, and, and my position was: look, if we continue doing what we're doing, we're going to be out of the comp again. Again, you know, yeah. and, you know we, we're getting we're getting um, bossed around by the NRL. They never took our opinion on board. Um, we we couldn't attract players. We had to pay overs, and we're, we're in that sort of it was it was just a cycle that we just couldn't get out of. And I remember speaking at the at the event myself, and I said, "Look, guys, here's our opportunity to change our um, our reputation overnight." You know, something that takes years and years and years to change. We can change this overnight, and all of a sudden, we are the roosters. All of a sudden, young blokes want to come to South. You know, we have, we, you know, we have one of the most famous um, identities in Australia. Wanting to put his his hard earned into the club. Um, we've got Peter that comes from one of the richest families in the in the nation. Um, him wanting to tip in, and and what they'll do is straight away attract people to the club. You know, we'll, we'll change our reputation overnight, and it did exactly that. Mm. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we signed the likes of Roy Satasi, then they just came and they just keep coming. And ever since then, South don't miss their man. They never do. Yet we've grown up for decades where we could never keep them, let alone attract mm. any. Yeah, mm. yeah, you're right. It did change a lot of things. So. Well, Russell was just as passionate as George, wasn't he? A hundred percent. He's he was. been a fan all his life as well. That's so. right. And, and and with Peter, and Peter sort of gets, he sort of gets forgotten a bit. But but Peter was the brains behind the whole mm. the, the vote, you know. And he knew what had to be done from a from a logistical point of view. They got experts out from America who were experts in winning seventy five percent votes. You know, and 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 it was a, it was just a meticulously planned um, uh, strategy. They, they they nailed it and and they got I think it was seventy five point two percent of the vote or something like that. Mm. And it set what, us on a path, like Mavo said, to the two thousand and fourteen grand final, mate. That, that I mean, you're a Mads House family, mate. That must have been a big big moment for you you and the family, mate. Oh well, it gets to a point where you think, 
am I ever going to see a premiership? You know, mm. and we're still talking about the, the glory days of the 60s, you know, and uh, which is really sad, you know. Um, and we keep having to roll out Bob and, and, and Ronnie Coote and Gary Stevens, And, you know, you think, when are we going to be able to, yeah. you know, move on to new heroes? Mm. And, um, you know, the, as I said, Roy Asatasi coming. And then, for mine, the biggest signing uh, that the club's ever had was Sam Burgess. You know, when he came in 2010, oh, yeah. what he brought to the club in mm. terms of passion and desire – and, and leadership, you know, even though he never he never became captain until right at the very end, mm. mate. Everybody knew he he was the heart and soul of that club, you know. And he said, if he said follow me, then nobody was game to to, to mm. not do that. And 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 he just took the club into the new era, you know. Yep. And uh, yep. everybody wanted to play with him. Then of course you you know you put GI and and and, the, and those sort of fellas, and and then we had a, a good bunch of young blokes that we were able to keep, you know, when Adam Reynolds right. came through. Sutter, Sutter, of course, you know, and Jason um, Clark. Jason Clark, you're right. Mm. What 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 a great, um, you know, we we put a couple of veterans in there on the on the wing with uh, Lottie Dakiri, you know, and um, Ben Teo. You know, and we have to give the coach a rap as well, Maguire. 100% Maguire. Uh, I mean, the team was there. Mm. And unfortunately, um, Johnny Lang just couldn't, you know, he just couldn't bring them together, you know. And uh, uh, Madge was, he, 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 you know, we all know he's got a reputation as being one of the hardest, you know, if not the hardest. You know, you get flogged, you know, and, and uh, it doesn't matter who you are or what your name is or how many first-grade games you've played. As we're seeing what he's doing at the Tigers now, yeah. he doesn't care who he drops, you know. Mm. And so he has a philosophy that, mm. You know, no one's safe, and you've got to train just as hard as you play, and uh, that's where all the work's done. And all of a sudden, it, it brought it brought the best out of every player we yeah. had. And wow, what a year that was! Whatever he did, it worked. It sure did. Yep. And just your media career, we talked about you being on the footy show and getting yeah. me to dive into a pool of beer in the floor, and it was it was good times. <laughs> you were you were great on the footy show. So your media career, you, we're on fire, and then you sort of let it go. You let, you let yeah. It. Look, you know, and anyone will tell you it's it's great. It's great work, you know, and it's it's not like you're working at all. The thing that got me though, and I, I did the footy show the whole time when I was playing, you know, and appearing there as a, a player on a regular basis. And then when I finished, I did sort of the commentary. But when you're a young bloke as a as a as a new commentator, they send you to all the shit gigs, you know. You're driving down to Canberra and you're going out to bloody, uh, you're going up to North Queensland, you're going down to Melbourne. They send you over to Auckland and all I'll that. Throwing snow at you? Yeah, they threw <laughs> snow at me at Canberra and all that. <laughs> I mean, I actually set that up, you know. I thought this is going to be good fun. I saw, kid, I, I, was, I saw a kid throwing snowballs. I said, just wait till I start speaking on this microphone and throw a snowball at me. He goes, really? I said, throw it as hard as you can. <laughs> yeah, sure enough, he did. But but at, but at that time when I finished playing football, I had, th- I had two young boys who were playing football themselves. And as it turned out, I, I didn't, for the whole year, I didn't see him play a game of football. Mm. And and tried telling, you know, um, six and seven-year-old kids that, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm just coming, I've got to go to Auckland this week, I've got to go to Townsville, I've got to go to Melbourne. And I thought, hang on, if I keep doing this, and, and you know what, you know I turned it for me? I, uh, I was listening to Ray Hadley and he said on the radio one that one day he said, "Look, I'm going to watch my son play football for the first time today." Mm. And he was 15. Mm. And I thought to myself, "Do I want that to be me?" Mm. And straight away I rang up and said, "You know what? I can't next year. I'm, I'm no good for this." And I had just as much as I liked, them, I said, "This just isn't for me. Now's mm, not the yeah. time. I want to go and watch my young blokes play. I don't want to be. Imagine you tell your young bloke when he's 15, I'm going to come and watch you. Tell yeah. him to go and shove it up your ass." Completely yeah. understand that. Yeah. So yeah. was that? So the decision to leave was that helped in the fact that the pie business was kicking off. Yeah, well, I suppose I had a lot going on. When, when I finished playing football, one decision I knew I didn't want to be a policeman anymore. Um, and, and as I said before, the, the courage you got as a young bloke, you feel as you think, you know, you can't wait to go to domestic disputes and all that sort of thing. All of a sudden you've got three kids and, and you're a 31-year-old and you think, you know what, I don't know whether I really want to go to this, you know, mm. and all of a sudden you're very careful and, you you know, and, and you're just you just not as 
Your mindset changes. Your mindset changes completely. You just don't have that bravado that you had when you were a young bloke. And so I knew I had to get out of the police, but what do I want to do? And so I, you know, my brother was a pastry cook at the local pie shop in Matraville, and he was working for 400 bucks a week. It was sort of a bit miserable. I had my old man who'd been on the waterfront for 40 years, and he was just giving it away, you know, and he had nothing to do. And I thought, wouldn't it be good if we had sort of something where we could bring the family together? And so I said to Nathan, what about if we had our own pie shop? Would you be interested in, like, you know, because he was sort of had enough. He was about to throw it all away and drive a truck. In fact, he, he'd sort of half done that. I said, would you be interested in running our own pie shop? He goes, well, I know how to make the product, but I've got no idea how to run the business. I mm. really haven't taken any note. I said, well, how hard could it be? Mm. And so we opened our first <laughs> shop there at Maroubra, and I was still doing a lot of work on the footy show, and I remember saying to Glenn Pallister, look, we're opening this pie shop. Any chance you might be able to cover it, I'm going to have a big pie-eating contest. You know, I told him I had Artie Beetson and Daryl Broman and Mark Guy, Spud, Dar- um, and Craig Salvatore, he said, yeah, for sure. Anyway, so they come and our opening was shot live on the on the footy show and made it just it just made the store an instant success. Straight away, it was too small. We opened a second store 12 months later at Mascot. They come and televised it again and all of a sudden, Galo's Pies was off and running, you know, and uh, mind you, this was all happening while I'm, stu- while I'm football manager at South. So I was doing, that, that was supposed to be a hobby, the whole the whole pie shop thing. And Nathan, was, he was calling me every week saying, well, when are you going to come and help me? When are you going to help me? I said, no, you'll be right, you'll be right, keep going, keep going, you know. And it got to the stage where I had to come and help him. And, and we got to 13 pie shops in the first five years. And, um, and mate, it's been the best thing that we've ever done, you know, uh, from a family point of view. Terry's been involved from day one. The boys are involved, all the boys are involved. All the boys, yeah. In fact, we have nine uh, direct family members uh, full-time employed, you know. Uh, my, my sister runs the cafe out at Kingsgrove where we are. And, uh, my wife, um, Nathan. Jackson, Bronson and Campbell, um, and mum and dad, it's a it's a wonderful thing to bring everyone together. And now you're a bit of a global juggernaut. Well, we, we'd, we've been exporting for about five years, actually, yeah, so that was that was a uh, proud moment when we uh, sent our first pie to the UAE, it was at the time, over in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So uh, we sent them there, we sent them to Hong Kong, uh, we sent them to Fiji and New Zealand and... Um, Kiribati in the South Pacific. Uh, you had a store in the States Japan. for a little yeah, bit. We had a store. We got approached by two Disney execs to open a store in LA, which we did, and went over there. We're going to open 20 and 30 stores over there, which was the plan. Nathan went over there and, and worked there for two years, which was fantastic. Uh, he got homesick, though, and wanted to come home, and it was just too hard to run from, from Sydney, you know. Mm. Uh, as, as much fun as it was, and the shop was really successful, which was really hard to take but um we said you know what it's just it's we sort of got held to ransom with staff over there and you know we were making the pies from scratch that was sort of the mistake when nathan was there it was fine because he was he was the cook he could make them from scratch when you had to teach people then you lost some staff and all that was really hard and they weren't making enough pies and people were getting disappointed and, and there was quality issues and all that we said you know what mm. let's, let's let's knock this on the head and come back another time so you've bought some pies around for us to sample and i you, have yeah they're, they're usually in um you're all you're in coles and woolies now i believe that's, that's your main right. thing and Correct, then yeah. selected stores the coast golf club i know they've got them yes that's so right. what are you well, like we're sponsored by burke street bakery we we get some good pies and do you know do you know the burke street bakery pies i do they're great they're a great business those guys i, I uh, love the fellas there they're, they're very good at what they do but yeah I've got a good selection I've even got yeah. some oven mitts for you some, some oven mitts so what's, yeah. what's, tongs what's your go to pie mate what, do you, what can you recommend to the listeners mate uh, look I had a bit of a run on seafood marinara there for a while which I like that we were sort of doing over summer uh, we've just bought out a chilli con carne and cheese actually that's going to be in Coles as of probably next week or so next week the week after but um, look the good old fashioned lean beef which is just your mince pie your chunky steak your curry beef um, your chicken breast beef and mushroom I like to mix it up a bit. The good old-fashioned sausage roll. You can't go past that. Yeah, but look, you can't go wrong if you have a pie each day, I say. <laughs> Thin on pastry, big on meat. Uh, 100%. That's right. Yep. You, you want to be 
keeping those carbs low, getting the protein into you. That's what this product's all about. Mate, just back to the game. You're still involved. Uh, you're a panel member on the judiciary. That's right, yeah. It's, you're it's not there tonight. No, I'm not there tonight. I've, I've been there for uh, about 11 years now, which is something I, I, I really enjoy. You know, I love the... Uh, I love being around really smart people, you know, and the and the um, you know judiciary chairman Jeff Bellew, you know, very esteemed Supreme Court judge, you know, the the guys that defend the, the players each week, are, you know, um, uh, senior counsel um, barristers, you know, and um, you would have had a bit of experience through yeah, the cops being, being in that yeah, position. Going to court and all that is, is yeah. something that that certainly assists in terms of your decision making process. But it cops a lot of a lot of flack their judiciary process, but I think it, it's at a point where. It's the best it's ever been in terms now. I mean, what people want is predictability and and um, and sort of consistency. And I think these days with the, the point system and a 25% discount if you plead guilty and all that sort of thing, it, uh, there's incentives there. People can see what they're up against. You know, there's a, an accumulation there for, for repeat offenders. You know, you get um, seven-year dis, you know, uh, discounts if, you, if you've been a clean skin for seven years. I think they've got it pretty, pretty close, you know. And um, in the absence of someone coming up with a better system, I think it's pretty good at the moment. Jaden Sewer, mate. How do you think he's going to go tonight? Have you had a look at it? Look, at I, have, all? I haven't had a. Cl- I only watched it uh, once, or you know, when they replayed it. It's a. It, it's difficult when they slow it down. You know, I, I think the most important thing is you got to play these sort of uh, tackles in, in in normal motion because it looks like it's really deliberate. It looks like it's really late. And do they do that in there, Sean? One hundred percent, they do. Yeah, and yeah. you've got to, you've got to take that into account. And that's why you know they have three X players uh, making the decision. Now we all know the match review pe- panel. They prefer the charge in terms of whether it's a grade one, two, or three. Those are the points. All all the panel then does has uh, has the power to say guilty or not guilty. Um, and then, then whatever the points are, they are. So, you know, it's really important. You get a lot of angles, but it's important to, to watch it in, in normal motion. And there's sometimes there's a lot of a lot of contributing factors that can either mitigate it or aggravate it, you know, such as, you know, the, 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 how quick the, the defending player's coming in, you know, how, how deep you went into the line. You know, like there was, there was a real thing there where we had... Uh, halves, you know, where we wanted to protect the halves, you know, mm. where we don't didn't want to give them dog shots from behind and all that. But it's a really tricky when the halves want to dig really deep into the line. That's you know, right. What are you supposed to do? Because one dummy, and, you know, and they're through. Especially when you've got bigger forwards, they've got to be really careful. And and it's hard to pull out of tackles when you're right, you know, when they're throwing balls right at the line. So, look, they're not easy. And, and quite often you get differing opinions when, you know, when people... Uh, watch the same vision, you know, and there's three of us, and the reason they have three is that we don't always agree, you know, as long as it's a majority decision, that's all it needs to be, so quite often it's it's 2-1, we, we never reveal that, but, um, you know, it's not a perfect science, but it's it's as good as we're going to get, I think. Hmm. Uh, well, we'll just move, we said we're going to mention golf, and I've spoken to you about my golfing, I've, I've been bitten by the golf bug, and I love it now, but I was talking to you about it, and you've played golf since you were a young kid. Yeah, that's right. I, I took it up as a 15-year-old, and I remember as a 15-year-old, there was a period there where I played golf every day for a year. I played 365 days in a row, which was, wow. which was, you know, when you're 15, that's what you do. You know, I'd walk, I'd walk up there from um, La Perouse. We used to walk up to um, New South Wales Golf Course. Uh, I actually took up golf with David Cook, who's the father of... Uh, Ola. Uh, yeah, and, Bolo. Bolo, and, and Tony Cook, yeah, yeah bro- brother, brother of Bolo. Bolo's yeah. brother. But, brother, brother, but, brother, yeah. but also... Um, Young Josh Cook, who's playing in the um, in the Rabbitohs now, is a, is a real talent. Anyway, I played all, all my golf with him every day. You know, he lived opposite me. He's actually brother of two good Bruce, Bruce yeah. Longbottom. Yep. They they lived opposite us in out there at La Perouse in Phillip Bay in Adena Avenue. And so we used to walk up to um, the coast or New South Wales where we'd sneak on and, and play every day after school. And um, 
oh, look, it's a wonderful thing. And I think you appreciate it even more when you retire. You know, it's still something that you can really be competitive at. You know, you can, like, I, I play golf every morning, usually every every morning, every Saturday, with uh, usually with my old man and my brother and my, my younger son, Campbell. You guys good, don't you, Campbell? Yeah, Campbell, Campbell had the opportunity to be a, be a pro golfer, actually, um, when he left school and had opportunities to go over and play college uh, golf over in the U.S. And uh, in the end, um, you know, that's what he wanted to do when he was 14, 15, 16. When he got to 17 and 18 and he discovered you know, there's more to life than hitting balls on a range and mm -hmm. you know, chipping out of bunkers of an afternoon, it's a pretty solitary sort of sport. He, he fell back in love with football and wanted to play, and he gave away the opportunity to, to take golf on as a career, which was, which is fine, you know. Um, but he'll always be a you know, terrific golfer, close to scratch marker, and, uh, and, and loves his golf, but loves you know, playing footy with his mates as well. You're on, you're on the coast you're on the out coast. there? Yeah, well, I'm a member of the coast now, and I love it out there. It's sensational, one of the most beautiful strips of coastline anywhere in the world. Look, it's, it's, a, it's a real secret out there. Nobody would even know it's there, but of course it's part of four golf courses in a row. We have New South Wales, St Michael's, the coast, and then Randwick all joined together. But it's a wonderful piece of real estate. It's always had great potential, the coast. I've been a member there since I was 15. I've been president now for the last oh, 18 months, and uh, we've got great things happening out there. You know, We have a lot of good players. We have a lot of good tournaments, but there's just nothing better than getting there whether it be winter or summer, and, and playing on that coastline, watching the whales go past, and um, where else would you rather be? The Birds awesome. boys get out there, don't they? They do, yeah. I, I played. Uh, I play a lot of golf with uh, with Sam and Luke in particular. Um, the twins weren't ever much good at the game, but uh, Luke's an absolute fanatic. Sam's probably the most talented, and you know Luke might like that. But but Sam, <laughs> mate, he. And he's playing off about seven at the moment, you know, and just strikes the ball so well, you know, for a... He did it a mile, wouldn't he? Yeah, with a bloke with a rusty shoulder, he's still able to... Geez, he, he puts a, puts the ball uh, mm. a long way down that fairway. Mm. And I've seen GI out there having a little snack. Correct, yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, Rabbitohs, actually, that like their golf. Uh, Dane Gagai, Adam Reynolds. Who else are they telling me plays a bit? Um, well, they're, they're, they've got to find something... Don't they? Well, They've got right. a bit of time on their hands. And in and COVID, the, the good thing in COVID was golf was one of the few sports you were allowed to play. You, know? yes, you, you, you could get was. out there, you could social distance, you know, it, it, you get some fresh yeah. air, and it was exercise. You know? I remember when exploded. I was playing, we yeah. went professional and always had a lot of time on our hands out at Penrith, and all the boys out there, they love playing, Brandy and yeah. Craig Gower and all that. So It's, it's quite a different skill, isn't it? Like you, you get footballers and, and you throw them on a golf course, and if you, it, I always found if you didn't take it up in your teens, it was really hard to sort of pick up you know? well it is for me it's a huge challenge and I'm still struggling with it to this day but it's I love the challenge of trying to become a you know a one trick pony into something something else are you under triple figures yeah no nah. <laughs> well I'll just mention our mate Steve McDermott he's on the board with yes, you yes he's vice president the great Steve McDermott and yes yes and he's just been re-elected and Correct. you run the Raging Rabbitohs that's right yes the, the Raging Rabbitohs which is uh We'd like to be raging, but we're actually just raging more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's something I've been involved in for the last I don't know, twenty years, really. You know, um, I was always, um, I always loved being around the the, the players. And you know, once we retired, it was it was a real loss, you know. And I think these days, more than ever before, when players come straight from school, they're in full time rugby league, they're in this bubble, uh, they don't get to meet many other people from other walks of life. Once football finishes, it's a great loss to them, you know, and it's 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 a serious. Uh, mental health issue these days in terms of what what they do and, and finding a sense of belonging. You know they've belonged in this team for for so long, or even a short period, and then it goes from it doesn't happen gradually. It just stops overnight, and all of a sudden you belong to nowhere. Mm -hmm. So we're really focused on. And Sam joined the joined the committee. You know, and we, which has been great because 
the, the, the one thing we battle in, in, is that uh, it's just a group of old blokes getting together, you know, and if you're not careful, all of a sudden there's blokes of 40 and 50-year-olds getting together, you know. So Sam retiring, and he's really passionate about about that very thing, about giving uh, you know players a place to belong uh, post their football career, you know, um, helping them out with all sorts of access to counsellors or even um, uh, employment opportunities, where to get uh, special training, computer courses, or just coming and, and and coming together for a for a, a drink, you know, mm. and a social get together. It's really important that we need to reach out to everybody out there, you know, mm. whether you've played first, second, or third grade at the Rabbitohs. Everyone belongs. Um, we have, we have it. Well, we always had at least two functions a year: one at the start of the year, one at the end. Everyone was welcome. Now we had big plans for this year before COVID threw it away. But if you've played first grade at South, you can come along to any home game. Uh, free of charge you get tickets there for you and your family and um, you, you can have you know, there's food and drink there for you and um, you know when we play in big stadiums there's no reason why we can't have our own there at the game supporting the the, um, the current crop and it's, it's a great um, it's a great thing for old blokes um, and ex-players to be able to connect with the current uh, squad and, and, and all the coaches have also said they really want the current blokes to know where they've come from and, and, and get a bit of an appreciation for the history of the club. Events such as golf days and yeah. we also had a um, one organised up there at the Sunshine Coast That's which right, obviously yeah. got cancelled. Well, that was what we we're trying to do at all our away games um, is to have a, a, a Raging Rabbits event, you know, the, the night before a game, you know, where, and it might even be a golf day in the day, then, a, then a, um, you know, a get together that night where players relocate to Queensland or wherever, they don't have to come down to, to Sydney, but, you know, we're going to have one at the Sun, Sunshine Coast, there's going to be the Central Coast, out at Mudgee for the Charity Shield. Um, so, so players that are, that might be listening in that uh, might be located all over um, New South Wales or, or Australia. We went to Mudgee actually. Yep, 100%. And it was a yeah. great weekend, wasn't it? So if you, yeah. So if you if you are listening and you're not involved, send us your email to rabbitosradio.com. And get get on the database. Yeah. Get on the database, and we're lucky that guys like yourself, Steve McDermott, I think it's Arvin, uh, has yep. come on board, and yep. we've got some successful businessmen now helping us. Because before we'd have our reunion, and you might get a, a drink voucher and a pie, and it was all very basic. But now we've it's all free. Yeah, it's all. Um, and and the way we way we fund that, we have a, we have a corporate event uh, in the middle of the year where the whole first grade team comes along, and we have auctions and we have raffles and all that sort of thing. And what that does, that then I funds. do a good job auctioning. Yeah, Brown is our resident <laughs> auctioneer, and he would know we, we raise some good funds. And we were going to we had planned a, a function where we we're going to honour our three living legends, being Johnny Sutton, Sam Burgess, and and the great GI. We've had to put it all on ice for the moment, which mm. is sad, but. Um, that would have packed out, and we always have it at the juniors, that would have packed out the juniors auditorium and what that does. And we also, you know, contribute to um, players fall on hard times from, from, from time to time. Well, I was just about to mention that. We mentioned at the start of the show, uh, there's a young bloke, Darren Voss. Yeah. Uh, the organisation uh, donated two grand. That's so, right. Yeah. It's yeah. A credit I, I credit remember, to you guys. Yeah, no, it was, it was a very sad story that uh, Voss is going through at the moment and uh, all our, our thoughts go out to him and his family and... Um, Whatever we can do to help, of course we will. Yeah. All right, mate. Great chat. Brilliant chat, actually. Covered a lot of ground. We did. Bloody earth. Mate, I've been on the journey with you for yeah, a long, long, long 100%, way. 100%, yeah. And it's been a pleasure, mate. We've got a lot of great memories. We sure have. We sure and, have. And uh, hopefully it'll continue on. Thanks for joining sure us here on Thanks, guys. Thanks Rabbitohs for Radio Podcast, mate. And can I say what a great job you blokes are doing? Good on you. And it, it's, it's an opportunity for all the South fans out there to get behind the scenes and know what's going on and, and just connect more with the club. Mm. Good job. Thanks, Garlo. Good Thanks, stuff. Garlo. Thanks, Legend, Thanks, mate. So, how good was that, boys? Sean Garlic. What a story. He's done it all in the game, boys. Yeah, mate. He's been, a, like I said, he's been a great mate of mine and I've lived that journey with him. 
pretty much since he was 16 years old. We spent a lot of time together, and like I said, we've got a lot, a lot of great memories and a couple of stories there we we didn't tell on uh, on air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looked that way, but it's it's you know we always talk about the glory days, 2014, but it was also good to go back and relive some of those dark times being kicked out and the process Sean and everyone went through to get us back in and and how tough it was to attract players and you can't move forward without recognising your past and, mm. and and we've got a colourful past, the Mighty Rabbitohs. And we've known him for a long time, Brownie. He's just a tremendous bloke. Very humble. Heard him talking himself down before. He's captain two clubs and saying he oh. didn't have all this ability, which he did. He had plenty, don't worry oh, about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. He was a great player. So. Back in the day when the leg tackle was in, he was one of the best you've ever seen. Cut him down old school. So he was a ferocious defender. Brian in attack. Could run the ball. He had it all. Now we've got our remembering a Rabbitoh, and this week it is, chaps, Mario Fennick, the Falcon, one of the great, one of the toughest, most inspirational players we've ever had at the club. He was always a fan favourite of all young blokes my age growing up. Well, I love Mario. He's one of my favourite players. I used to watch him drive past in a sports car on his way to training. I suppose I was, I was catching the bus up to Marcelin on Malabar Road. There he was a South Coogee. Lived at South Coogee. Story Street. In his later, yeah, in his, in his later years there. Mm. Anyway, Mario Fennick, born on the 11th of November, 1962. His Rabideau number, 689 boys. Played 182 games for the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. 275 overall. A couple of origins. Now... What a competitor. Yeah. Well, his surname Fennick, which translates in English, so the Maltese name for Fennec, translates to rabbit, boys. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? Oh, I can <laughs> so, believe it. So it was only fitting that Mario would play on the South Sydney Rabbitohs and become one of the most passionate, inspirational leaders we've ever had. Now, Mario was born in Malta, and his family migrated to Australia when he was about 10 months old. They settled in Wellington Street, Waterloo, a short distance from Mount Carmel School, 400 metres from Redfern Oval. And Mario attended there. I went to school there myself. Did Mount you? Carmel, yep. There you go. The family consisting of parents Albert and Doris and brothers Steve, Joe and Michael. Yeah, what, what a great family too they are, aren't they? Yeah. Are. You're, you're good mates with, with Steve and, and so am I. And they're just a beautiful family all yeah. around. And they sadly lost Joe a tragic accident years ago and he was a good footballer as well yep. yeah he supposedly had a lot of talent now they brought a cottage in Banksia Street Botany his next school was Maris Brothers Daceyville a real rugby league school he put his hand up to play because all his mates did his first team away from school was Botany United and the coach was Henry Morris the great H oh the great go. Henry Aye. what a legend uh, he was the president of the South Juniors at the time at Kingsford. As a kid, he actually went for the St George Dragons, boys. We won't hold that against him, us. No. Now, the real turning point in Murray's life was when his best friend, Craig Mullins, asked him to join the mascot club 
and eventually gained selection in South Sydney's winning SG Ball team from 1975 to 1977. The president of mascot was Frank Cookson, South football manager in 1998. By 1978, Mario had graduated to the Jersey flag side, and it was here that he gained his name, Test Match. During the warm-up of a game, a mate yelled, Look at Mario. He thinks he's playing at a test match. <laughs> and that name stuck for a long, long time. Yeah, it did. Yeah, and he Probably never, when and you blokes are playing. Yeah. And he never changed. He's, yeah. Every game was 100 miles an hour. And even at trainer, mate, just train with his heart on his sleeve. Yep. Now, many good players came out of that mascot era. Shane O'Neill, Stan Brown, and the late Greg Mackey, just to name a few. Yeah, Bluey Mackey, yep. By 1979, he was Jersey Flag captain and made President's Cup in 1980. Called up to grade in 1981. He made his first grade debut round 15 against West at Redfern Oval on July 12 as a replacement, boys. So he finally got a, finally got a run. What a debut against the Western Suburbs Magpies back in them days. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And there was a bit of drama too, I believe, chaps, in that game. He got sent off for tripping on his debut. But apparently it wasn't him. It was David Hooky Boyle that did it. Oh, Boyley. <laughs> yeah, back in those days, the ref, there was no replays and nah. video ref. So the ref just thought it was Big Muzzer and he got his marching orders. So he's come on as a replacement mm. and got sent off for doing nothing. I can imagine the touch, <laughs> the touch judge the touch judge would have run in with his flag. Remember them, Doug? Yeah. No yeah. wonder he used to blow up. Remember the, the time when he got replaced against the dogs and he runs off and he... Runs up into the stands looking for George. And One he, to fight George, yeah. An expletive-ridden uh, exchange occurred, and we've shared that on the episode webpage if anyone hasn't heard it. Now, he was 19 years of age, 243 days old, just to be specific. He spent most of that year in the under-23s, winning the grand final against Parramatta 18-5. Captain of the team was the great Craig Tugger Coleman, yep. a halfback from the Waterloo Club. Tugger spoke about that game on, on when we had him on. He did too. Mario's coach in 1986 to 1990 was George Piggins. He was also a mascot junior. Mario's career at South spanned from 1981 to 1990, where he appeared in 181 first grade games, scoring 18 tries, one field goal, mainly at hooker. He was a captain in 118 of those games, boys. Yeah, well, he was my captain when I come through, and no better leader. Both on and off the field. I, I love the bloke. He was my captain as well, and he was an uncompromising style of a captain, not like these days, but, you know, that was his style, and that's what it was. If you if you got out of line, he let you know about it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, looked, he looked like a, a tough bloke. You didn't want to let him down, I guess, boys, is what you're saying. Now, in 1989, he came on as a replacement in the City Origin team and finished up playing for New South Wales. A couple of games against Queensland in 1989. So he did... Go on to, to higher honours as well, boys. Yeah, well, he always had those battles with Benny Elias and famous battles. There was one time there, I think he Benny said that he bit him and he, and he never, and he got him sent off. And But Benny was a great footballer. Now we's, uh, we talked to Carlo about him earlier. and Yeah, he's, so it was a tough era for him. Yeah, he was as good as anyone on his day. Tough. Well, there were some great hookers around that era, similar to Tugger. We spoke to Tugger with the yep. halfbacks. There was Same a lot thing. of good hookers. Stevie Walters, Benny Elias. Yeah. Royce Simmons was sort of like at the end of his career then. Yeah, uh, Desi Haslam and Jeff Tuvey and, you know. Come in a tough era, of course. And um, now he ended up kicking on over to the North Sydney Bears from 91 to 94. Played 83 games over there, boys. And 
Finished up in 95 at the South Queensland Crushers, playing 11 games. And that's where he got the nickname, the Falcon. The Falcon. Just minding his own business, walking off the field. The ball's hit him in the melon. And the Maltese Falcon got nicknamed nicknamed the the Falcon. Falcon. And (laughs) that too is on the episode webpage, if you haven't seen it, but I'm sure you have. Uh, He captained the Crushers a couple of games. And anyway, Mario was awarded a life membership of the South Sydney Football Club in 1997, boys. He's a legend, and he also went on to a career on the footy show. Yeah, there's a lot of banter going on there, but he, you know, he gave as good as he got, and now he's had to give that away. He did work for the NRL for quite a while, and now his health isn't quite what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. He still goes up at my gym at um, Moose Gardens every morning. Every morning, he's still in yeah. good nick. He'll pull oh, his fit as a fiddle. He'll pull yeah. his shirt up and show you. He's in good nick. For yeah. Very, yeah, very good golfer too. Yes. Yeah, left-handed. Yep. Left-handed okay. golfer. Yeah. Yep. Plays at. St. Michael's, I believe, and he's got a good handicap. He's, he'd smash me. But, yeah, right, uh, <laughs> okay. He was a sparky during his football days too? Yes, 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 he was. No so. more passionate uh, player than uh, than Mario Fennick, let me tell you. Yep. Botany Ram and Henry Morris. Any story involving that, that'll do me. Yeah. Mm. I'll tell you a quick story. Mario used to have a restaurant called Dimitri's, and he used to bring all his, like, his good clubber to train. And uh, Phil Blake, he, he never used to train much on Mondays, you know, so... Mario will be all out training, doing more park hills. Or, and uh, Blake would go into Mario's bag and cut his undies like right at the sides there. So when he goes to put them on, he just pull, nearly pulls them up over his head. <laughs> He'd come in, who's cut my undies? Who's cut my undies? Doris <laughs> buys them for me. Doris <laughs> buys them for me. You're kidding. Oh, it was the funniest thing. And that went on for weeks, you know. And poor Mario, like he said, as passionate as he is and, he took everything to heart, you know. Everyone's against me. and But, no, nah, he's a good man, Mario. And we have had him on the show. And that's one of the interviews we're going to share on our YouTube channel. It's not up yet, but we'll share a link to the episode that you can go back and have a look via our website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your podcast apps. And, boys, I'm going to have to shoot off. I'm going to get you guys to finish off the show. All right. And um, we'll talk to you soon, boys. I'm off to night shift. Good on you, chaps. All right. Since 1962... NG Farah has exemplified a steadfast commitment to service, creativity and hard work. Established from humble beginnings and still independently owned today, the business has grown to three offices that are strategically located to provide you with the most comprehensive real estate coverage in the southeastern region of Sydney. NG Farah have forged an enviable reputation for consistently delivering outstanding results. NRL News brought to you by NG Farrell Real Estate. Now, the real estate market's good. I spoke to Glenn the other day and uh, Stephanie Farrell, his daughter, and, and Bo Champion are, are doing well and they're selling a lot of properties out there. So if you are thinking of selling, make sure you give one of them a call, Stephanie Farrell or Bo Champion, big fans of the show. We've shared the link to NG Farrell Real Estate on our webpage along with all our other sponsors. Okay, so NRL news. The Panthers lead the comp on 21 points. 
Souths are on eighth on 12 points, equal with the Seagulls on 12 points, although we've got them on four and against. And the Dogs are last on four points. So that just gives you an idea where we're at. We're middle of the road, and we need to start winning some footy games to get ourselves up into that top four. Yeah, it's an important game this week that we can, first of all, you know, get on a bit of a roll and win two in a row, but more importantly, to stay in the top eight. Yeah, so we've got a tough road coming up. We've got the Cowboys, and we've got to play Manly and the Roosters. So there's some hard games in the run home, so we need to keep winning some. Yeah, definitely. Cam Smith is human, maybe? He is. He's... He's not unbreakable, the old fella, and he's out for a couple of weeks. And also they've lost Pappenhausen, so that's a couple of big losses for them. But what about that try, Brownie? You'd like that try that... Mate, oh, I did. Um, Pappenhausen, he's done a ponger on ponger, didn't he? Yep. He picked it up around his bootlaces. Uh, he recovered a kick, picked it up around his bootlaces, took on Caelan Ponger with a right foot step, beat Ponger, and then he was off and going. Now, he had a little bit to do once he beat Ponga as well. He had to swap the ball in the other hand, and then he had to beat a couple of defenders who, who were chasing him down who didn't have the ball. Now, yeah. what, what an amazing player. It was an awesome bit of footy. And also, the other try was the Jake Avarillo try, where he just dived and put it in just on the line. That was awesome too. It's amazing some of the tries they're scoring these days. Yep. I just want to mention another player. He's a former South Junior. I had a lot to do with his junior career. I actually coached him for about 10 years, and his name's Sifa Talakai. Now, I don't know if you've been watching him, Mavo. He's been killing it the last few weeks, Sifa Talakai. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's it's not too bad. The callers call him a little bit different, Saya Sifa, Saya Sifa, but I call him Sifa. And he's part of the reason why the Sharks have hit a little bit of form, really. Yeah, is that the kid on the wing? No, he's back row. He's been playing centre. Oh. Yeah, he's been filling in a little bit everywhere. Yep. Uh, monster of a bloke. Katoni Staggs couldn't handle him. Uh, we'll chat more about Katoni Staggs a little bit later. but um, Yes, we will. <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he really, uh, he's put it over a couple of the opposition players that he's been playing over the last few weeks. So to Sifa, keep it going, mate. I'll have, going to keep, great. I'll have to keep an eye out for him. And okay, let's move on to Katoni Staggs and the Broncos. As we go to air, there was a, a video released of young Katoni. It was, uh, yeah, we can't share that on the episode webpage. It's a bit too graphic, so you'll probably hear more about that. But anyway, the Broncos game. We're going to be there on Friday night as a guest of Troy Slattery in the Churchill's Bar. Yeah, the great man Slats has been kind enough to invite the Rabbitohs Radio podcast team out to the Churchill's Lounge on a Friday night, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. First game back at ANZ. In the press conference today, Damien Cook made mention that South are going to use this as a home Indigenous game. So they're going to continue the Indigenous round. They're going to have a welcome to country. And yeah, just hopefully, as he said, some of our Indigenous players have big games again, which we'll be looking for. The Broncos have only won three games, but one of those was against South in round two. They have the worst defence in the NRL, allowing 373 points. But they get David Fafuda back this week. What are your thoughts, Bernie? They've hit a little bit of form without winning, I think, I believe. Uh, they're going a lot better over the last few weeks. They've been very competitive. They were in the game last week. You know, they let it slip away. And I think David Fafita, if he plays, he's been named in the side. If David Fafita plays, he's a big in. And they will definitely lift. And we are really got to be on our game. We've got to start well. Something that we didn't do last week. We'll be behind the eight ball after 
17 minutes, I think it was 16-0 down. So it's important we start well and get in the arm wrestle with this mob. They've got a big pack of forwards and we need to contain them. Well, they played some good footy last week and they just fell in a bit of a hole late. And there has been talk that they're going to bounce back against us. But I don't think if we play like we've, we know we can, I think we can hold them out. And the other big news is that they've lost the MILF. Anthony Milford out for a month. So he's a big loss for them. He's a bit hot and cold, but he mm. put on a magic try last week. Yeah. In and away. Mm. Good ball out. Darius mm. tapped onto the winger. So two, he'll be missed. Two very inconsistent uh, Anthony Milford for my liking. But uh, like you said, he has got a bit of an X factor about it. He can win, win your game without a doubt. Mm. But I just don't think he's been in really good form over the last few weeks. Okay, we'll move on to Rabbitoh of the Week, brought to you by Burke Street Bakery, and this week it is Donna Hall, who is a teacher at Strathfield South Public School. That was a tongue twister. That is a bit. And Donna, she attended our live show against the Tigers when we played the Tigers at the Juniors, and so she came up, supported the show. She's a mad South fan. Her family's from Redfern originally, so she's a lifelong supporter, and you have won a free coffee at any of the 14 Burke Street Bakery stores and speaking of that went in there the other day with the missus and I got the lamb almond and harissa sausage roll and they are sensational how good are they they're very good alright I'll take us away then okay uh, the host is gone so maybe I'll take us away Rabbitohs Radio is hosted by Grant Chapel, Darren Brown and me Steve Maven and is brought to you by Export Freight Systems the Juniors, NG Farah, Rise Foundation, and Burke Street Bakery. For more information on this episode, click the episode webpage in the show notes, and please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. We'd also like you to follow our Rabbitohs Radio Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube channel. We'll be back next week with another episode, and up the mighty Rabbitohs. Hey, hey.